Hello, I'm Tina Marie St. Cyr, and welcome to Light Your Life, the podcast. I believe our dreams have energy, calling, and purpose, and that when we move in their direction, our lives become even more joyful, fulfilled, and effortless. This podcast gives you insights to the strategies our guests use to overcome obstacles and manifest their dreams in business, career, relationships, and in life. Listen to find new levels of energy, perspective, and courage. Your journey to light your life begins now. Hello and welcome to another Sit by the Fire with an amazing soul who has taken his journey of financial awareness and the executive side of helping companies understand their financials and the strategy behind that so they can grow. And he's going to share that with us today and so many wonderful insights, including a method that he designed that you're gonna to wanna to hear about and take notes and find out more about. So we are going to be in, you know, insightful. We're gonna be educated here by Jeff Newkirk. I'm your host, Tina Marie St. Cyr, and here we go. So Jeff, a little bit about your background. You spent yes. so many wonderful years, 30 years in corporate America fighting problems and challenges and, and understanding the numbers in a corporation and in companies. And so can we start there in your journey of the things that came across your desk, the things you learned in meetings and where you took companies from where they were to where they needed to be. What are some of those, as we call it, war stories that sure. you participated in? Yeah. So when you emphasize 30, though, I just want to make it clear. I started when I was like 10. So of course, you brilliant <laughs> right out of the womb. You're totally brilliant and ready to go. Yeah, Me too. No, no. <laughs> but, you know, all, all those years of experience gave me a chance to really uh, go through a number of different situations that help, you know, get to where I am today. And when you're in finance or even operations and you get to the to the level where you are responsible for a company's financial situation and you have to make really difficult decisions mm -hmm. and those difficult decisions can impact people's lives. Right. And then you really take a different, uh, different perspective on things. And for me, it was very important to look past the numbers. So you have to know the numbers, of course, that's the, you know, the kind of the foundation, the competency that you have to have to do the job. Right. But beyond that, you really need to be uh, cognizant of how those numbers are impacting people. Mm. And that's where sometimes I kind of got into these uh, moral dilemmas because I would always look for an answer that was beyond the numbers that would uh, impact people in a positive way. Right. So I, you know, I didn't want to, the last resort, it was always, always cost cutting, right? Always bottom line growth. And so when it's bottom line growth, there's two sides of the equation, right? You either increase your revenues or decrease your expenses. Right. If uh, the market is such that increasing your revenues was limited, then you're looking at the expense side. What's the biggest expense? Well, in service organizations where I worked most of the time, 
it was people. And mm-hmm. if you're going to cut expenses and that's people, what are you going to do? How, how many positions are you going to cut? So for me, it was always, let's, that's the very, very last resort because uh, so often as financial managers, CFOs, uh, they don't think about the long-term impact. It's like, what are we going to do next quarter? Okay, well, right. next quarter will be better, but what's going to happen a year or two from now? Yeah. So, you so know, I, I, faced, I faced a lot of those situations. I can see that. Was, did you ever take, did you ever talk any, you know, senior level directors or executives or CEOs off the ledge of cutting people? And was there ever a way to trim or trash other things, systems, processes, maybe even product lines? I've seen where product lines weren't generating the ROI that are, you know, that they had predicted and they, they adjust and pivot, you know, on the floor in operations, anything like that? Absolutely. There's, there's always uh, ways to look at uh, increasing the bottom line aside from the people part, the people mm-hmm. aspect. And there were a number of situations where uh, we had, you know, pretty spirited conversation about yeah. cost cutting. And I was always emphatic about uh, keeping people. And, you know, many times. Thank you for going uh, about for them. They probably don't know. You know, and I think, I think part of it is that I've seen firsthand uh, good leadership, strong leadership, and not so strong leadership. And that not so strong leadership can, comes into play more than we'd like. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes we don't always make the tough decisions or, you know, we take the easy road and the easy road, you know, might get a, a short-term gain, but it's not long-term. It's not yeah. sustainable. So yeah, I always went to bat for as, as often as I could for, for yeah. people. So that's probably definitely a human um, habit, right? We, we want to get the short-term gain and have the lack of vision and, and forward movement. So absolutely, it's interesting. we're talking about all these directions and the life, the forward and the rear. Uh, we're going to talk about rear view in a second. Yeah, yeah, you bet. So from your experience here in, in the corporate world and all the different projects that you worked with and on and contributed towards, um, I want to ask one question first, before we get to what you're doing today is, you know, I ask this question for those that are listening that are also at this juncture in their careers, mm-hmm. because sometimes we get to that place where we go, I want to jump ship or in today's economy, maybe we've been cut and we have a choice. Um, mm-hmm. What had you say, you know, I'm going to go from being a, an executive into starting your own business. Great question. So there were a number of situations, uh, and I'm sure you can appreciate over 30 years that I've been, was involved with that uh, helped me grow as a leader and in my career. And I talked about leadership and lots of strong leaders and lots of not so strong leaders. Right. And I felt like it was, it was really my calling. So uh, years ago, years ago, I was at uh, it was actually when I was working on my doctorate degree, my wife and I were at a, a, a family dinner. And so I was talking to a distant relative who I didn't really know that well, but we were making small talk and, and it was, you know, it was a good conversation. And in the middle of the conversation, she just stopped and said, you know, we're going to read about you one day. I want to remember you. Oh, wow. And I was like, what? 
<laughs> you know, like, where did that come from? She <laughs> said, no, you, you have a lot of potential and you're going to do something pretty significant. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't really know how to take that, but that was, that was a, I don't know, 1996 or seven. And, mm-hmm. and so all these years later, that always stuck with me. And I thought, I have not, I haven't fulfilled my purpose. Mm. My did purpose you feel that inside is, yourself? Yeah, yeah, I really did. And, and then more recently, uh, you know, this coworker that said, you know, Jeff, you can do a whole lot more than what you're doing now. Mm. And so those two situations have really, really stuck with me. And it was time. It was time to, to really take that leap and develop an opportunity where I could positively impact lots of people. There you go. And, and thank you for do. taking the leap. Thank you for taking the leap. It's not easy, yeah. is it? I mean, like, oh, if you go risk to that moment. Huh? <laughs> You've got to be a risk taker. Yeah. Right? And here you are in finance. They don't want financial people to be risk takers. No, no, but they also don't necessarily want finance people to be uh, people people, you know, they're more concerned about the numbers. And uh, it's always comforting when I come across somebody who is uh, very skilled in the numbers, whether they're an engineer, accountant, finance, but they also have that compassion. You got to have compassion. We need so much more of that in this world, don't we? Oh, amen. <laughs> yes. And so no, you help clients, you know, like what's your avatar client? What would you love? The person that you'd love to help. And then we're going to dive into how you help them. Yeah. Uh, who is it that you'd say, I absolutely love whenever this type of person calls and says, Hey, how can you help me? Who is that? Yeah. Well, it, it's, uh, it's somebody that can go to the next level. And whether it's in their business or professionally, and they might not really recognize how they can get to the next level. Mm -hmm. And they might even be sort of on the fence as to whether they want to work with a business coach or not. Mm -hmm. That's the the type of person where I, I love to just have that conversation and probe a little bit as as to what's going on in their life and their business and make it... um, abundantly clear that if they were to uh, take on this new strategy of working with somebody else, we can get them to a new level. Yes. And that's, that's a great feeling. So I, cause then I know it's going to be a win-win. Yeah. And, and it takes not only curiosity about that next level for ourselves, it takes courage. You know, whenever oh. we open up ourselves to saying, hey, maybe I don't have the answers. And more than that, maybe if I think I have the answers, sometimes I can't execute at the same level that right. I believe I need right. to. So can we speak to that? The, the need for courage to honestly ask for sincere help, right? Sincere help. A- absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, and, and uh, I, I think of the, I call it the 13 absolutes of leadership. So Mm-hmm. A lot of John Maxwell, Simon Sinek, Patrick mm-hmm. Lencioni, I mean, and 30 years of experience. There but there, you go. I think there are 13 absolutes that you have to have for strong leadership. And one of those is courage. Mm-hmm. You've got to have courage to, to do, you know, make those tough decisions. And for me, you know, I'm a person of faith. So I always think about, you know, having courage. What does that mean? Well, in the Bible, it says 365 times, do not be afraid. 
Really? So, so I'm How thinking, wow, 365, one for each day. That's so cool. You could write a book. So, <laughs> so if that's, you know, if that's the case and it is, mm-hmm. then I'm thinking, you know, God is really serious about us not being afraid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm, so, I remember reminded of JFK, right? <laughs> the only thing we have to fear is fear itself, fear right? Itself, right. I, yeah. I hear that in my, in my head at least once a week, you know, just to keep a, keep a measurement and a, an understanding governance over fear, you know, it's always. Oh it. yeah. And, and it's so it's, it's easy to become fearful. I mean, I'm, I'm like the master of becoming fearful, but <laughs> you know, that's how you can teach I, not to, <laughs> but it doesn't serve any purpose, right? It serves no, no purpose. It serves no purpose whatsoever. So you touched on, you know, you're pretty educated, <laughs> Jeff. Yeah. And so, and, and that's needed. You know, we, we whenever we're, partnering with a coach, a consultant, a strategist that's going to be able to take an honest look at where we are. We need somebody who's going to be able to ask the right questions. And we need somebody that we can trust. And, you know, I've known you for a while and I I love your way of being is so easy to connect to your sincerity, your empathy, and the understanding that it's easy. It's not easy. However, with partnership and respect and understanding the road is not so lonely, right? That's to right. Get to where we want to be. And so you've got an MBA and you've got a doctorate. Yeah. What's your doctorate in, Jeff? Uh, it's a doctor of education. Oh. And uh, in my research, uh, I sort of took a different twist. And this is, this was sort of the, at the time I didn't know it, but it was like the first step in developing the rear view mirror approach. But cool. so in my research, <laughs> what, I, what I wanted to do was have one measure, like one ratio that business owners could look to, to mm-hmm. say they're, you know, what's the, are we successful or are we not successful? And I called it the success factor ratio. And it was taking uh, metrics from the marketing and sales area, the finance and accounting area, the human resources area, and then the operations area, combine it all into uh, one success factor ratio. So. Uh, that was my research, and I uh, tried to put it into into use uh, after I was done um, with, honestly, minimal success, but I didn't really uh, explore it the right way. So that was sort of the first step in the what RBM or the rearview mirror, yeah. And I love this. You know, whenever we think of um, forward thinking, it's kind of funny because you say the rear view methods right for forward right. thinking so tell us what this rear view method is for yeah. business yeah. and for entrepreneurs so you know what everybody's got to have their one thing right the one thing that is you know their go-to mm-hmm. and uh so recently uh, relocated to texas from illinois so I had to go yes amen <laughs> glad to be in texas but making many trips back to illinois and on one of my trips, you know, I was trying to, what is my one thing? What is my one thing? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking back to the success factor ratio and driving through rural Missouri, unfortunately going way too fast, mm-hmm. uh, past a state trooper, Missouri state trooper. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to get a ticket and not the way I wanted this trip to go. So I looked in the rear view, my rear view mirror, right. and saw the state trooper. And then I you know, obviously slowed down and looked in the rear view, slowed down, rear view, slowed down. 
and then I noticed that he didn't, you know, I wasn't getting pulled over, but it was like, I'm looking in the rear view. I'm looking in my past right. for a better future when my better future is I don't want to get ticket, right? Mm -hmm. So if we look in the past and we just take that concept and we right. look in our past for lessons learned, you know, do our review of what, what got us to where we are today, then we can examine it more closely and adjust those things that need to be adjusted mm -hmm. for a much better future. Awesome. Much better. So the whole point is know, know where we were, mm -hmm. know how we got here, adjust what we need to have a better future outcome. I love it. That that's, you know, something that sounds so simple because we could completely connect with what you're saying. It takes time to assess where we are. It takes time mm -hmm. to, um, you know, and as business owners, you know, I set aside two 90 minute sessions a week to simply observe my business, ask myself deeper questions, see where my measurements are coming in, assess mm -hmm. and analyze, and then consider. And that's not typical for people to take that much time. And I've learned that if I didn't, I'm just on a hamster wheel. So right. help us understand what the rearview method is and how that benefits business owners. Yeah, so th there are different metrics that you can look at in different parts of your business, but let's just take the financial uh, because that's sort of my background. And I think as a small business, business owner or leader within an organization, the bottom line is the bottom line. I mean, that's the reality. We have, in order right. to have a sustainable business, we have to cover expenses and we have to have that profitability that'll lead us into the future. So when we start with the re review, and that's the first step, review, we need to know what metrics to look at. So I always look at a couple of key financial metrics, cash, mm -hmm. cash, like it or not, cash is king. If we don't have king, cash and everything else, yes, it is. Yes, <laughs> it, it is. Absolutely. If we don't have cash, we will not be able to pay our bills and we won't be able to have a sustainable business. So we've got to know what our cash balance is and we got to know where to find it. How do we find it? It's in the balance sheet. We have to know what our operating margin is. Our operating margin is what's left over after we pay for all those expenses associated with our product or service. It includes all the selling and administrative. It includes all the cost of goods. So that's the margin that we have to look at for our business specifically. It doesn't include all the non-operating stuff, but it includes all of those expenses critical to your product or your service. So operating margin. Right. And, and then finally, we need to know in the end, what is the profitability of our business? So let's now look at what are the non-operating issues? Mm -hmm. Because if our non-operating issues, if they're carrying the business, meaning perhaps our operating margin is negative or our profitability is positive, that means there's non-operating stuff going on that we need to be aware of, but it can't sustain your business. So we need, need to know what that is. So that's really the starting point. So we need, because when we go yeah. through the review, we have to know, well, what do we review? What do we look at? Mm -hmm. And so those are the key metrics that I I'd start with. And then that's going to open up some more questions, which is oh. the examination step. So and now so, we're going to examine the detail. Yeah. And so on that review part, whenever, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm listening in the mindset of our listeners that are saying, you know, I started a business because I have a passion in it, 
or maybe I inherited a business because it was my family's business, or I have a business degree and I formed a partnership with one of my partners and we bought a business and now we're supposed to be operating it. So there's a part of the business owner and the business mindset that we know we're going to look at numbers. We know we need to understand our financials, but even looking at operating margin, I've seen where business owners throw so many things into what they believe is operational or the mm -hmm. operation margin. And it has nothing to do with the production directly of cash flow. And so there's right. even confusion at the, the granular, granular level mm -hmm. of what goes into that. And you help your clients with that, correct? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, it all starts with uh, making sure that your books are accurate. And in order to have accurate set of books, uh, you have to have all of your accounts lined up. You have to be able to properly record your transactions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that all starts with the, the bookkeeping. So, right. for example, I have a working with a client recently where we, we really just started at, at square one. And that square one was getting the books lined up. So we set up the chart of accounts and properly allocated the revenue, properly allocated the expenses. So we could look at operating margin and know how that business was performing. And trust if, if, the, if the books aren't accurate, then I mean, that's, mm. that's not going to give you the information that you need to know. Exactly. And so the second part of the review method is the examine, the examination phase. And what do you do in that with your clients? Yeah. So let's say, uh, for example, just as I mentioned earlier, the not or the operating margin is negative, operating income is negative, but your profitability, your net income is positive. So that's a flag, right? I mean, so now yeah. we've reviewed it. We know that there's something else that we need to look at. Now let's examine. Let's examine the detail of those uh, statements that's going to give us that information. So we need to know why is our operating margin negative? And we need to know why our profitability is positive. Yeah, I don't and, even know how those things add up. <laughs> well, that means you have a you have some non-operating income that's coming in that is you know basically compensating for your negative operating. Oh, income. I see. I see. So, so you need you need to know well what is that non-operating? Is that something that's uh, sustainable? Probably not. Mm -hmm. And then if your operating margin is negative, why is that? You know, we need to look at what the yeah, both sides of the equation, trend. what do we need to do on the revenue side? What do we need to do on the expense side? So that's the examination. And there's no real uh, step one, step two in the examination, because that's going to be based on what you find out in the review. Mm -hmm. And through that, do you also dive into sales and sales structures and compensation plans and things of that nature? It, it depends on what you find out. But uh, if, if, for example, the operating margin is negative, let's, let's mm -hmm. look at that. So now, now you know that you are not operating. Your financial performance of your business is not where it needs to be for right. sustainability. Now let's go back and why is that? Why is that? Are, are your sales down? Okay, if they are, then, then we need to look at that. Let's dive in and examine the sales aspect. Are, is your gross revenue exactly what you expected? Okay, well, maybe then it's, it's doing okay, but then the expense side is then not performing what you expected. So it, the examination step is gonna take you a bunch of different ways, 
and certainly looking at sales more in more detail could right. be one of those, no question. Yeah, because a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners just say sell more, sell more, sell more, make more money. A- absolutely. More money. But uh, however, another, going into a broken utilization of the, the funds. Yeah. Uh, and another key metric that uh, is so important is break even. You know, it's if your break even is, is, is such that you're going to, no matter how much product you sell, how many mm-hmm. services you sell, you'll always lose because you're negative. Your break even is too so you're looking you're aiming at the wrong number yeah exactly aiming at the wrong number and i've seen that too where people think that their number should be one thing and it needs to be in anywhere from 10 to 20 percent higher than that yeah. uh, otherwise they right. come in at the end of the year and and they talk to their accountant their accountant goes you'd have a great year you have no money great year great year you're 25 percent up over last year and you have nobody. <laughs> so, you know, maybe your price is too low. You know, yeah, right. Your, your variable market. costs are too high. You know? mm-hmm. So, yes, there is uh, always more to, to examine. And then there's the A. So we're spelling out rear. Yes. Right, out of the right, review. So, so we've, we've covered the R. We've covered the E. And so help us understand what is the A in the review. Yeah. So that's the adjust step. So that's the, this is the step where you correct any of the, uh, areas that need to be changed based on what you've examined. So let's take uh, sales. Let's say that sales was was not what you expected and you you discovered that your break-even is too low. So you compared your sales price to the market and discovered, well, our prices are too low. And if we increased our prices, then our break-even would be better. Our operating margin would increase. It wouldn't adversely affect sales volume because the market would expect uh, a sales price that is higher. So we adjust, we adjust the price. So that's the adjust for that for that one variable. Yeah, the number one thing that I've seen in adjusting a sales price isn't about the market's adaptability, adaptability or adoption of that new sales price. It's the adoption in the salesperson's mind of being able to speak that new price tag uh, right. to its marketplace because we're conditioned and we've been saying one thing one way and our nervous system got adjusted to that and, and life that is feel safe and secure. And then whenever we increase our prices, that nervous system responds is like, oh, are they going to be okay with that? Are people going to sell? Are they going to buy? It's like, uh, and so I, I was given some advice once and it was um, the sales price is never a problem for the customer. It's always a problem for the salesperson. And mm-hmm. so I realized, you know, whenever we're adjusting our own pricing that we need to practice. And so there's another hack that I learned about adjusting our pricing so that we can recondition our nervous system and get really okay with it. And yes, absolutely. Let's say, let's say that, let's say that, you know, you're, you're a service person and your billable rate is, uh, 300 an hour, right? Let's say you know, mm-hmm. 300 an hour and you're increased, you've increased it to 300 an hour. It was once 150 an hour. You find market conditions could allow you and your value to go double that. So now you're going to bill out at 300 an hour, but your nervous system's still back at 150, right? And so in order to redo that, it's you would practice in the mirror or practice with a friend. So how much are your services? My services are 3,000 an hour. And so you can <laughs> times it, right? You 10 times it and you get used to saying 3,000 an hour, 3,000 an hour. And then whenever you're really going to say 300 an hour, it's so much easier. Yeah. It's like, wow, it's, it's not so bad, right? Yeah. 
But you know, the key word in what you said is value, right? It's value. And, and when you believe in the value that you're providing, whether you're selling a product or a service or it's uh, your billable hours, whatever the case is, if you truly believe that you, there's value there, it's not hard. Not at all. Not hard, because no you believe in it. Yeah. yeah. And you, you know, more than not, we've seen the results that yeah. to our client base, right? And so yes. We're at R again. R, yeah, so the revise, yeah. Revise. So now we're, we're changing the future outcome, the expectations of our future outcome. So taking that uh, sales price and carrying it through to the final step of revise, that allows us to change what we expect in our future operating income, our operating margin. It's going to change what we expect in our profitability. It's going to change what we expect in total revenue. Right. So now we're carrying it all the way through so we can change our future expectations. And what, what's important to, to keep in mind is that this is cyclical. You know, the rear view is not a one and done. It's something that you continue to do every, every week or every month, depending on the business. Uh, certainly, you know, not every day, but that's way overkill. But you certainly you should do it on a regular basis. This needs to be routine, knowing that it's never going to end. It's not a one and done. So when you revise the final step, you're going to have to go back and make sure you review, examine, adjust, and revise again. So, and so it's, it's, it's staying fluid. In Absolutely. And um, staying aware <laughs> as mm -hmm. well. Um, so that we spend that time, like I mentioned earlier, I, I purposefully have two 90-minute sessions in my week that are completely protected so that I can look at my numbers, look at my business, um, and make those adjustments. I'm in a practice, and you know, it's to, to adjust things maybe once a month because I need to give things a period of time to implement. You know, mm -hmm. scripting will probably adjust that once every couple months, maybe once every three months if it's not working. However, there's some things that we need to be more immediate about then and adjust more rapidly so we don't create more pain for our company. Are there any markers that you've seen in working with your clients based on how fast we need to react to adjust or not? Yeah, it, it really depends on the type of business. So let me give a couple of examples. So I spent a number of years in healthcare and in the healthcare setting, quite, quite honestly, things move at a much slower pace. Uh, compared to like a retail setting. It uh, doesn't mean that, uh, that anything is less important or less meaningful. It's just that the business model uh, moves at a little bit of a slower pace. So, you know, addressing the uh, re review would be, you know, monthly, certainly uh, could be quarterly, but changes usually take place uh, in the healthcare uh, setting quarterly based on some monthly reviews. Now, that's different than if you were in a retail. If, you, if I owned a, uh, uh, you know, a retail shop at a mall, for example, I'm gonna wanna look at my numbers every day. Now, am I gonna do a, a, the full, what I would call the full comprehensive rear view? Probably not every day, but I am gonna do a quick rear view every day of some key metrics, whether that's daily sales on a certain product, uh, I want to know how I'm doing every day. So I either 
move where the product is in the store or you know put it on sale or something so it, it depends on the type of business yeah thank you so much i love that and you've got your family i know you got three kiddos and a, and a I do. wonderful wife and so here you are a consultant and they're probably your biggest cheerleaders as well well you know i i everything in our careers are they're important you know what we do every day it's important but what really is more important for me is my family mm -hmm. I mean, my family is is uh you know that's that's why i get up in the morning and do what i do because i have three awesome kids and i have a wife of 32 years who is incredibly patient and tolerant tolerant with me <laughs> she's the better half for sure so yeah, i'm very fortunate and so I want to highlight that you have an amazing best-selling book that people can pick up on Amazon and learn more about your method and yeah, thank understand you. understandable solutions. Yes. Understandable solutions. Just like the name of my company, understandable solutions, that. uh, confessions of a forensic financialist. And That's, yeah. And that was a question I have is like, what's forensic financialist? It sounds so official. And maybe yeah. CIA like. <laughs> and so, whenever if somebody's regarding, you know, bringing you into their team, a forensic financialist, you know, how could they, you know, work with you, and what would they expect? Yeah. So, a forensic financialist is somebody that's going to come in and look at how your financial performance is going within your business. Not to be confused with a forensic accountant. A forensic mm -hmm. accountant that is. They're looking at, have you followed all of the rules and regulations yeah. with regard to the accounting, whether it's generally accepted accounting principles. What a forensic financialist is doing is, how are, how are we performing financially? Mm -hmm. Are there any elements of the business that can be performing better to improve your outcomes financially? And let's dissect what's happening within the statements, you know, we talked about the looking at the P&L, the profit and loss statement, in a little bit more detail. Well, that's what a forensic financialist would do. I love it. And that happens to be the name of your podcast. Too. Yeah, yeah. So and it's a lot of fun. I, I gotta say, I never thought a podcast would be something that I would do. But I, I yeah, the forensic financialist is, is going well. Mm -hmm. I love it. And, uh, you know, we talk about more than numbers. So mm -hmm. I, I said earlier, it's the people aspect yeah. that is so important. So we can talk about numbers all day long, but it's really understanding people and how we can better lead people, better become better and stronger leaders ourselves. That's going to make things so much better overall in Completely. each, in our business, in our society, in our country. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And the truth is, you know, in all honesty, we look at numbers on a very frequent basis as leaders to make sure that things are healthy. Absolutely. And if we have unhealthy numbers or the belief of unhealthy numbers or that we can't trust our numbers, it's going to impact our leadership and our way of being with others until we can regain that trust. Yes. Yeah. And it's how we handle it as leaders that uh, we can move an organization or a group forward or not. And, you know, there's, there are going to be, as I mentioned in my situation, there are tough, tough situations that, that come around. You have to make tough decisions, whether you're looking at cutting people or changing a service, whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. As strong leaders, it's how we deal with those tough situations that will help us to move forward. And I think uh, John Maxwell says it best. 
-hmm. And that is we always have to be cognizant of adding value. We have to add value to others. We have to add value to the situation. We have to add value to the organization. And that has to be top of mind in everything that we do. If it's not, then we'll lose lose perspective. And then we'll be concentrating on more short-term gain and you know, more what's in it for me. But if you're always thinking of adding value in everything you do, it really helps keep things in perspective. And part of that keeping in perspective is the people. Yes. And it, you know, that's the biggest part of our life, right? No question. It really is. Yep. And so I, I always ask uh, my team for some questions. We pass your um, bio around and say, you know, if you were here in the studio with me, what would you be asking our guests? And so we've got some questions. And so, all right, great, awesome. Uh, Fire away. Here we go. So, what is a characteristic that you see in all entrepreneurs? Courage, courage. Yeah. yeah, because entrepreneurs they take on risk, right? In order to take on risk, you've got to have courage. In order to get up every day and say, "I'm going to make things happen," mm-hmm. it takes courage. So, yeah, I've always said. I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to embrace the day. Well, I've sort of changed that. And maybe it's been COVID. I get up every morning and I say, I'm going to attack the day. Mm-hmm. You know, embrace is sort of, that's okay, but I'm going to attack it and right. I'm going to make things happen. So I think courage, courage. Awesome. And so next question is, what would you have done differently at your first company, also your first career, mm-hmm. uh, now that you have a lifetime of the experiences that you have? Anything that you would have told that younger version of yourself to do? Oh, to- man. <laughs> that is a great, great a question. question. <laughs> um, what I, would I have done differently? Yeah, there are. Yes. So courage. And in my, you know, a number of early positions in my career, mm-hmm. I didn't have the courage to speak up and say, uh, this needs to be changed or we need to address the situation. And one situation that I'm, I'm, I am proud of that uh, happened early in my career where I, I did show the courage, I was, it was in a consulting situation. I was in a management consulting role and I had to provide a business plan for a client and the client was looking to uh, do a real estate transaction. Mm-hmm. And it was my plan that was gonna say, Part, part of the play I was going to say how much to pay for their land or, or the business. And so I, I knew that the, the client was going to be happy, but the person that they were going to do business with was not going to be happy. Mm-hmm. So it came because they, they wanted more money for their business. So right. they came back and said, don't like the plan. Client came back to me and said, Hey, Jeff, you know, great plan. I really like your work, but is there any room that you, you can, uh, do something with the numbers, any wiggle room with those numbers. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, well, you know, what do you mean wiggle room? I don't, I don't understand what you're looking for. Numbers are the numbers. Well, you know, we really want to get this transaction, uh, see it through. And, um, you know, we're just hoping that maybe the numbers will reflect a little bit more closely what, uh, you know, what the seller wants. So this was a point where I, you know, I had an opportunity to continue my work with this client. Mm-hmm. Or... I could do what I thought was the right thing and say, no, the numbers are the numbers and yeah, integrity. relationship over. Wow. So I did, I stuck, uh, stuck with it. I said, no, there's no wiggle room. I'm sorry you feel that way. And we ended our, 
working relationship, but mm-hmm. I needed to do more of that early in my career. Earlier. Yeah. <laughs> to check in with yourself and find that integrity, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So the last question is, if you had a challenge to give entrepreneurs and business owners that are listening right now, what would that challenge for them to take today be? The challenge would be to, to say, you're in business for yourself. You have a passion for what you do. Now take that beyond your business. You, know, you, you need to certainly have a sustainable business model, make sure your business is successful, et cetera. But what you do in your business should impact more than your business. You need to impact mm-hmm. your community. You need to impact uh, beyond the walls of your business. So yeah. I would challenge them to think in bigger terms. What can you do, not just for your business, but what can you do to add value to your community, your environment? Mm. That would be my challenge. I love that. Challenge accepted, Jeff. Challenge accepted. <laughs> And so you can find out more about Jeff Newkirk and everything he brings to you and your business and your future and your happiness and the contribution you're going to give to the world as well as uh, find him on Facebook at Understandable Solutions Business and on Instagram at Understandable Solutions. I'm hanging out on IG, so I'll find you there, definitely. And then pick up his book on, on Amazon, Understandable Solutions, Confessions of a Forensic Financialist. And then you have your podcast, which is, uh, is that weekly? There's probably tons of places they can find you. It's, out there. it's weekly. It's weekly awesome. on iTunes. You interviewed some really cool people. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have, yeah, this, uh, this past week and it's going to air. And, uh, I think just after Thanksgiving, Dory Clark, I mean, I love her. But, so oh, it was, it was great conversation. And we, it was, uh, it was pretty lively. We had some passion yeah. going. Yeah. Sweet. So we're and talking also, about uh, perseverance. Oh yeah, <laughs> we need to, we need more of that too. And oh. you've uh, interviewed um, one of our mentors, Michael McCallowitz. Yes, another great interview. He was so gracious, and uh, that was uh, I think within the first five episodes. So I was pretty not that I'm experienced now, but I was definitely <laughs> uh, you know I'm early in the learning curve, and it was oh. a great conversation. He's a great awesome. guy. And you're going to bring so many more uh, resources to everyone so that they can own their books, their numbers, and find their future, like you said. And I'm glad you didn't get a ticket that day. That's so good. (laughs) And so your Your podcast is The Forensic Financialist. So find more about Jeff, add him to your favorites list, go hunt him down on Instagram and Facebook, and stay in touch. So last parting words uh, for your entrepreneurs, your business owners, your CEOs that are saying, I want to really, I have the courage now and I want to dive in. I need another partner in my corner to help me understand that what I'm creating, what I dream and what I'd love is actually going to be sustainable, viable, and get me to that profit that I'd love to have. And more than that, it's not just about profits. It's about us us feeling happy in what we're bringing to the world. It's what our businesses are. And then having that financial vitality and freedom so we can enjoy our lives, not just be (laughs) strapped to a business. What what advice would you have for them um, as we say sayonara to this yeah. another edition of the podcast. Yeah, I would say don't ever feel like you're alone. You know, you're not alone in making those decisions. There's always somebody, uh, for example, a business coach or a colleague that will be there to help you as a trusted advisor and partner moving forward. Awesome. Great words. We're not in it alone, right? We're not. Never. Thank you so much. I uh, love that we spend time together. Thank you for being who you are in our world, Jeff. Oh, thank you. It's been great. Appreciate it, Tina Marie.
That was so energizing. I have takeaways that will help my life and I'm sure you do too. To get show notes, bonuses, gifts for you from our guests and more, head over to lightyourlifepodcast.com and be sure to bookmark this podcast as one of your favorites. I am Tina Marie St. Cyr, founder of Bonfire Coaching and creator of the Bonfire Method. Thank you so much for being connected. Now my homework for you, summon the courage to light your life a little more and go make progress on your dreams today.